So hello and welcome to another episode of Lab Automation 101, where we look at all things to do with automation in the lab from a variety of perspectives, including human resources, uh, recruitment, marketing, sales, all the challenges, the headaches, the ups and the downs, the benefits, and uh, so forth. Today, we're going to look at it from the perspective of asset management and to help us just to better understand actually what that means, the advancements that have been made in this particular field. Um, and I think very importantly and very pertinently, how labs can take advantage of asset management. We have a, uh, an expert with us today, um, Stephen Corbicero, the Director of Product and Solutions at Machine Q. Stephen, hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to join you today. No, it's, it's very good to have you on. And I, I have to say, Machine Q, it sounds very futuristic. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, perhaps maybe just walk us through a little bit what Machine Q does, and in particular, I guess what your role is at uh, Machine Q. Yeah, absolutely. So Machine Q helps enterprise companies build, connect, and deploy IoT solutions at scale. Um, we work with customers in various industries, including life sciences, uh, food service, like quick serve restaurants, as well as hospitality. Um, so a myriad of different use cases and solutions, but um, building those to scale uh, with a high degree of quality. Awesome. And and your role then? What? And, and oh, absolutely. And um, yeah. So director yeah. of product and solutions for me at Machine Q. Um, I work closely with a really talented group of strategy, design, um, and engineering teams to basically translate real world problems into uh, products and solutions. So I work, I'm basically attached to the hip with our user experience team, uh, working very closely with end users and customers and market trends to really define what those requirements are and then bring those products to life. Um, my background personally is in electrical engineering and I've spent the last decade or so working in startups and scale ups, building IoT based solutions for several different industries. And my work in Machine Q kind of crosses a, a number of, of bad uh, like barriers, but uh, heavily focused on life sciences today. Okay, and I would imagine then in your role and from what you've just said, uh, there's probably a lot of challenges that you've come across in your role, um, in particular, I guess, in, within life sciences in that particular area. What would you say would be the biggest challenges you've had in your role? My role, I think it's, you know, my background's in engineering. And so problem solving is sort of core to that, but my not as familiar with, you know, the lab environment and getting used to that. Well, over the last 12 to 18 months, the team's getting, and myself included, really, really educated on what goes in, who the different personas are, understanding what their needs are, what their day-to-day -day looks like, um, and how, you know, translating what their problems are into, you know, solutions at scale and work with them in the lab to help them get back to science. So I think it's understanding, you know, the day-to-day -day operations of a lab and, and those types of environments has been certainly a challenge, but a, a welcome one because it's, you know, it, it's near and dear to my heart to continue to learn and, and, and grow in my own, my own space. So. Awesome. So then on that note, we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty, I suppose. Uh, mm -hmm. Asset management, I guess in particular, I'm going to say, your the asset tracking i know on your website you talk a lot about indoor asset tracking mm -hmm. so for the layman or if you were to explain it to a five-year-old really what does indoor asset tracking what, what does it actually mean then i 
So I think it it would be pertinent to like just take a step back and talk about IoT and what that is, and then how we can kind of transition back into asset management, and then more specifically like indoor asset tracking. Um, so from that perspective, the IoT, like what is it? It's the Internet of Things. Um, at its core, it's really any technology that helps us bridge the gap between our physical world and a digital one to make our lives easier, more efficient, more sustainable, et cetera. For example, you might have a widget that measures the temperature of your refrigerator at home. And if someone left the door open, it could let you know that the temperature was getting warmer and to go shut the door before your milk went bad, right? And so I guess getting back to the subject matter here, one of them, and I want to draw this back because I was I was looking at your LinkedIn earlier, but one of your posts on LinkedIn about defining what live automation is reminded me of a conversation. I actually had at uh, LAFM conference um, about giving time back to science to drive knowledge, innovate, and then reduce that overall development time. And so one of the points was about opening tubes and pipetting and how that doesn't really drive knowledge uh, in and of itself. Well, neither does tracking those pipettes down or wasting precious bench space with another centrifuge when you have an underutilized one in the next lab. So when we're talking about indoor asset tracking, if I'm a lab manager or someone that's managing lab assets, I'm using these asset tags. Um, I'm affixing them to physical things such as inventory, consumables, equipment, um, static or movable assets, for example. Uh, and these tags, they're constantly advertising. They're like, I'm here, I'm tagged one, two, three. And then depending on the type of technology, there may be infrastructure within the four walls of the lab or the monitored space within the building that are actively locating those tags. Um, that location data can then be leveraged to identify where that asset is within the physical space so that lab users, techs, service providers can find those assets quickly or monitor where they might be going. And then further, you can leverage that data in a myriad of different ways to inform operations, streamline workflows, improve employee productivity, all that. Um, and then depending on your business needs, there's this sort of hierarchy of like like levels of maturity that we see where indoor asset tracking might just be you noting down where something is on a spreadsheet all the way to a more um, technology-focused IoT-based solution that has real-time location services or RTLS. Right. I'm just curious then, so within the labs, and because I go to different labs, I go to very small labs, yeah, labs, and then extremely large labs. Um, so when I hear the term asset tracking, you know, of course, it's, you know, to find where the location, where, where, where the equipment is and, and where the assets are, I guess, uh, in particular. Is there an issue today in labs across the U.S. with equipment or, or consumables, I guess, whatever it is that you're tagging, but it doesn't have to be equipment in particular, but where, where things are actually getting lost? And, and if they are getting lost, can, are you able to sort of quantify from a dollar perspective uh, how that's affecting labs? Yeah, so I'll take through an example, um, and this might be near and dear to some folks that listen to the podcast, but if you're a lab manager that needs to collect pipettes for periodic calibration, which most like GXP labs, they need to do that in some rolling fashion, right? Yeah. That typically, that collection period starts two weeks before pipettes even leave the premises to go out for calibration. And that process takes you through identifying which pipettes need to go out for calibration. So it's usually like a list of serial numbers or some identification um, that's physically on the pipette. And then leaving yourself enough time to hunt them down, bag them and send them out. Um, and so that process typically takes 
from what I've experienced in being in the lab around two weeks, or at least folks allot themselves around two weeks to do that. And that's right. on a fashion. Um, you can eliminate a lot of that manual searching and reduce, you know, missing pipettes that might be shoved in drawers um, or other types or lost within the space, or they were in lab B and now they're in lab C. Um, reduce that process from one to two weeks to like one to two hours um, due to the fact that you know exactly or you have a very good idea of where they are using asset tracking. So that time reduction alone in, in like human capital is 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 quantifiable depending on what type of person would be tasked with that activity. Um, and then from even furthering that, quantifying the cost of missing a pipette really depends on the organization, but, quanti but quality investigations, if you do lose a pipette, um, I've heard range from thousands of dollars to tens of thousands of, of dollars per missing item. Um, so over the span of a year, if you know, if folks do lose pipettes or they go missing, they're shoved in the back of the drawer within the lab, um, those do add up. Uh, and then on the other hand, if a calibration is missed and that pipette isn't taken out of service, you're risking having to restart experiments, um, which puts development on hold. And considering it costs, you know, and on average, a thousand, hundred thousand dollars a day for operational costs to run a lab in a large pharmaceutical company, like those, those, those stoppages and experiments and trying to search definitely add up. Yeah. So just, just walk me through it, I guess, because I'm, I'm, I'm curious now and excuse my ignorance. No. Asset tracking, is it, is, is it sort of like a, like a GPS, I guess? Like, you know, if today I can go, I can see where my car is, for example. Yeah. It's the same for, for the instruments, the equipment in the lab. Yeah, absolutely. So it, and like I said before, you know, it really ranges. There's a number of different technologies out there. Um, my experience has mainly been with active uh, real-time location services. And to your point, it is sort of like a GPS where we're not pinpoint accurate, but we can tell you within, you know, a high level degree of accuracy that uh, an asset could is on one side of the lab or the other, or is on, on you know, within this part of the building. It just depends on how much infrastructure, how much technology you're really deploying these labs. But typically it involves some sort of physical device, whether it's battery operated or it's a passive device, and you stick that directly onto um, whatever it is that you're trying to track. So whether it's a bottle of like a consumables or it's an HPLC or even something static like a biosafety cabinet, uh, and you would have a continuous way to monitor the location of that asset. Okay, so so let's let's make now if we do a little bit of a, not gonna say do a little bit of a role play sounds like an interview, uh, <laughs> so it's not an interview. <laughs> Sorry to say that, but now if if I'm a lab now and I've mm -hmm. got you know machine queue come knocking on my door and, and you know you come in and say hey Alex listen uh, this is the the way of the future this is why you've got to have this particular technology, you know first of all I would say what what are, I would imagine what are the practical steps. I, you know, how, how do you advise them in terms of what assets to uh, to track? And is there any particular ones that you would advise more versus any other ones? Uh, and, and just I'm just curious as to how it how it looks and, and what would be, I guess, if you had to say here, the three core main benefits for your lab, what would those be? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess I'm going to start by saying, you know, it depends. As with everything, folks, depending on the type of lab and the type of work that you're doing, if it's early research versus uh, manufacturing, your use cases are going to be different. Your pain points are going to be different in terms of 
what you want to track, why you want to track that and what, you know, what outcomes you're trying to achieve from there. Um, if I'm someone that's working in a GXP or even like a GMP type facility, I might be really focused on having a stringent process wrapped around managing my, I keep talking about pipettes, but managing my pipettes. So I could see that as a, as a hero, like the first hero initial use case that someone might go after in that sort of realm. Um, on the other hand, folks might go and be, might just want to augment their existing lab management practice, understanding where all my assets are and tagging everything. And so regardless of that, the way that I, that we, the trend that we've seen is that most folks, and I think this is rings true to most IoT projects uh, in life sciences today, is that starting small and piloting is important, but it's even more important to understand um, what outcomes you're trying to achieve from that. So, is it reducing the time it takes to um, find all my find all my pipettes for calibration? Is it trying to understand? Do we have too many of this one thing? How are our labs set up? Do we have enough equipment for our scientists to actually uh, do the science that they need to be doing? Or can we reduce that and save some square footage and get some new instruments in there? So there's a number of different use cases that we see, um, even to the, the point of you know, ongoing maintenance and service activities. So say you have a service technician coming in that's flying in from somewhere or driving in from somewhere and they need to provide maintenance services to an HPLC for some, for whatever reason. Right. Um, someone takes that, it's on a cart, it moves to a different bench in a different lab. The service technician shows up and they can't find the instrument. Now we've wasted, you know, travel time and, you know, there's a sustainability cost, carbon cost to that, as well as just time lost on site searching for it. And they may have to come back and that instrument is still out of service. Um, so things of that nature as well. So there's, I think there's in, I think based on those types of use cases, then you can kind of expand and utilize, um, you know, asset tracking, indoor asset tracking might be the first use case, but you can expand that to instrument your lab space or your facility with other types of, you know, facility wellness or environmental monitoring technologies, water leak detection um, to prevent damage because all buildings have leaks. Um, or even spatialization. So understanding um, how often labs are being used, how many people are using them, um, as well as in going all the way down to more asset or equipment specific utilization. So there's a number of different things and I think they all sort of compound to add more and more context to um, what's going on daily in the, in the lab space. But starting small, I think is getting back to my original point, starting small is key with a very defined use case and then expanding out there. Right. And if if I may ask also, is there a way that this can be linked to your, if I'm a purchasing manager in a lab, can I link it now to my uh, inventory management? So for example, if we use your example of pipettes, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, I have all this, I'm using them, you know, X amount of times during the, the day. And then every week, I don't know, I need to replenish. Mm -hmm. Can your system sort of trigger a, a reminder if, if, if that, or, or I don't know, maybe even automatically order? Uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil, you know, I, I love to chat about what, what we're doing, but, you know, what we've seen is that, especially from the consumables and the replenishment piece, uh, not only tracking, folks are really starting to become more engaged with tracking consumables to understand a shelf life, um, where those consumables are after they're being used, or if a labs, if labs recently been used, 
understanding that, okay, I now know that I need to go and replenish and restock uh, those labs because it's recently been used. Or I know that, you know, this solvent and, um, you know, whatever other reagents you might have are coming up on their shelf life and they're located in this cabinet. We should use those first rather than pull in more inventory from somewhere else. So that's been a, that's been a, a large focus that we've seen is is instrumenting um, not only the lab space, but also supply closets and tracking consumables in and out um, from that perspective. Okay. So if I'm a small lab now listening to this podcast and I'm really interested, mm-hmm. uh, I might be thinking, okay, this sounds like it could be a little costly, potentially. Uh, maybe this is a solution only fundamentally for large labs, you know, that they may be moving equipment from lab A to lab B and, and so on and so forth. What would you say then to the smaller labs if, you know, to convince them that, you know, this solution is right for them? So I guess when you say small lab, and that's not more towards square footage, but towards like the startup, like a smaller, right. yeah. getting it them, getting themselves established. Yes. Great question. I actually had this conversation at a conference late last year um, with, I think we were in Boston at the time. So there's a lot of like sort of startup scene there talking about how these solutions can actually be very useful, um, even with potentially a higher price tag off the you know initial investment. The ROI is there because they have to be very cost sensitive about how they're purchasing. So understanding what assets they have and how they're deployed within their space, even the square footage, because labs, regardless, square footage is is a premium um, and making sure that you have the right equipment deployed in those labs so that science can, scientists can get back to science and have everything they need, you know, really drives home the point of investing in solutions like this to continuously track where assets are going so you can inform your purchasing decisions based on actual need and not what you know someone like a lab manager or scientist is telling you they might need um so that that's definitely um a conversation that i've had a few times now where depending on the scope of what they're doing and their size it, it may still make sense for them to invest early um especially with the other types of solutions that they could potentially deploy once you have sort of a initial hero use case like indoor asset tracking. And and out of curiosity again, so I say I want to proceed and go ahead. Is it a case of what, what would they have to do? Do they simply just go on your website, fill out some information? Uh, how does it work? Yeah, I mean, I would say do your research um, and understand really defining what you want to get out of a solution. There's such a, uh, getting back to it before, like, the levels of maturity where you're at today, you may not ne- you may not need um, a full blown active RTLS solution. Um, I'd be happy to to talk with anybody about that. Um, but you know, moving from tracking in a spreadsheet to tracking in some sort of um, SaaS based database, and then moving up to a more sophisticated asset tracking solution. There just depends on what the scope of tracking you would like to do. As far as getting started, um, there's a number of different technologies. Uh, The technology that we have uh, is a a novel um, kind of solution based on a number of different technologies, but making it so that it scales easily, it's not as obtrusive in the lab space because we are very sensitive to that. It's a difficult environment to typically deploy into. 
Right. Uh, so that that's what we have today. But yeah, I mean, I would implore everybody to do their research and then, you know, machineq.com if they'd like to learn more about what we're doing, uh, not just in life sciences, but elsewhere as well. Right. And I would imagine you've got several um, case studies, if that's the right phrase to use, uh, where you've implemented your solution. Can you give us an example of, of, a, of a lab where, you know, obviously they weren't using your solution, what headaches they had, they implemented your, your asset tracking solution, and then what were the tangible uh, benefits that they had subsequently? Sure. I mean, obviously can't speak to any names, um, but we work with a large, um, a number of large pharmaceutical companies in North America. Um, there's a number of, you know, we work with so many different groups. A lot of it, um, one of the ones that I'll probably talk about the best is in early research. Um, and they wanted to basically augment what they were doing. They track each one of their assets, um, you know, as we were getting involved with the project project early on, they tag each one of their assets with a specific like internal only uh, asset ID. Uh, and they were managing that through a database, but it required an immense amount of manual effort on the part of um, a lab equi equipment uh, services team to go in and manually log where all those assets were on a fairly frequent basis so they can keep track of it. And that um, really ma mattered to them, A, because they had no idea where assets were, how they were being managed, trying to keep them, you know, in service, maintain them. And then if they needed to be, um, you know, deprovisioned and deprecated, uh, moving those to an offsite warehouse. And that whole life cycle was really challenging for them. Working with them um, over the last couple of years, you know, they started with a small pilot to understand feasibility uh, and that really went well, but their approach has been tagging everything and anything. Um, even if it's bolted to the ground, because it helps them manage all those assets, apply them to different cost centers based on where their locations are, um, and have a pretty sophisticated end-to-end -end solution where they're taking location data from the indoor asset tracking system and augmenting what they're doing in their, their business systems. Um, and so they've been able to, a lot of the outcomes is obviously eliminating any of the manual reviews that they are doing on a weekly and quarterly basis. So that was effectively eliminated because they're able to continuously monitor, you know, if an asset A moves, to, if an asset moves from lab A to lab B, they automatically know that um, it's updated in their business system. Another problem or another outcome that they actually were able to achieve is part of their process is moving assets out of buildings and into a warehouse where they're either stored for usage later on or they're sold off. Um, and a lot of the time assets were moving into that warehouse um, and what, for whatever reason, the process wasn't being followed and they were still paying service contracts against those assets. And so right. now they have a full end-to-end -end view of when assets move from a building and into that warehouse, they can eliminate all the service contracts because they know it's completely out of service. Um, we're working with them now. We've expanded more into their facilities realm. So working with their facilities teams in conjunction with the lab equipment teams um, and asset management practice to instrument some of their labs with environmental sensors. So temperature, humidity, uh, water leak detection, right. uh, as well as spatial, uh, spatialization. So one of the things that they are very interested in learning is around lab usage. So 
very privacy centric. We don't want to know who's in the lab, but how many people are in the lab? When are they in the lab? How often is, are labs being used? Um, because labs are constantly under construction, becoming more efficient as experiments change. Um, so understanding those utilization patterns, or even if different assets within those labs are being used to inform things like you noted before earlier, Alex, around you know, restocking supplies, cleaning, um, maintenance activities, all of that, um, or simply being able to tell a scientist like, yes, uh, that lab is empty right now. It has X, Y, and Z in it. You can use it to, you can schedule using whatever schedule system, because we know those are available versus like having to peek in or use Google Calendar or something like that, which is somewhat less sophisticated. Yeah. So it's very far and wide reaching in terms mm -hmm. of the solution. Um, and, and I think what you get is a very clear return on investment, which I think most labs, I mean, labs are businesses fundamentally. Absolutely. Uh, and so they need to have a very clear ROI from, from that perspective. So one final question for me, uh, Stephen, um, when you look to the future and you think about your solution with all the advances in, in technology, I guess, what does the lab of the future from your perspective and within this asset management realm, what, what does it look like? I think one of the things, you know, over the last, it's really abundantly clear to me um, and I'm listening to a couple of the episodes of the, the podcast, but some of the more, because we're sort of on the ether of, of the pure lab automation where we're actually automating some of the more mundane or repetitive tasks within, you know, experiments uh, is the amount of data siloing that's, or I heard someone put it, I forget where it was, but call them data moats, like data sort of pools around instruments and other assets within the lab. And that data is really valuable, but there's no way to really extract it and understand it and utilize it to become more efficient, to automate more, to connect more. Um, and that's really what I'm excited about is that I see a lot of emphasis on how what we're doing is just a single input um, that can add context to overall activity and what's going on in a lab, but then pulling in data on how instruments are being used um, and how that can influence and speed up the drug development process and, and, and replacing a lot more of the mundane tasks and um, in, in the laboratory, I think is, is really what I'm most excited about for the, in the next couple of years. And then, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't plug you know, AI, ML, uh, and how that's being utilized in, in, in labs today. And I know there's a lot going on there, but I, I think there's, there's promise in, in taking large swaths of all this data and being able to extract that and, and manipulate it to sort of jumpstart a lot of the ideation process. Um, so that's, that's, I think what I'm really excited about. Sure. Well, Stephen, just want to say, thank you very much. It was a, it was a nice, uh, uh discussion with you and uh thanks for your time really appreciate it yeah thanks alex i appreciate it